0: Both Newcastle and Manchester United suffered Champions League heartbreak in midweek. Newcastle denied what would have been a superb away win in Paris by the harshest of handball decisions, while Eric Ten Hag's United collapsed in Europe once again, leading 2-0 and 3-1 in Istanbul against Galatasaray, but they had to settle for what could be a very costly 3-3 draw. Both teams have had injury crises who can cobble together a good enough team to claim three Precious points this weekend. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No heartbreak involved if you follow the wise words of our top-tipping team, starting with Marco O'Hare. Mark, Newcastle so close to what would have been a truly remarkable win in Paris, but PSG given a very controversial penalty right at the end, whereas Manchester United's draw at Galatasaray, nothing to do with refereeing, just mistake upon mistake upon mistake.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of take a little bit of issue with the, the, the Newcastle stance. Um, Clearly, the the penalty decision at the end was was comical. um, But what
0: a win it would have been if they'd seen it it
1: through. In terms of a result, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. But if we look at the balance of play across the ninety minutes, and they fought valiantly, they applied themselves brilliantly for the most part. But PSG were they left three or four goals out there quite comfortably, really. And Nick Pope was exceptional yet again for Newcastle away from home in the Champions League. So I think on balance of play, I think PSG deserve to be just as aggrieved with the final result as, as Newcastle, really, because they should have won that game with room to spare based on the opportunities they created and the goalkeeping at
0: hand. So the... Was there a bit of game state in that, though, in the sense that Newcastle got the goal fairly early, tried to be progressive for the rest of that half, but just naturally you're going to drop and drop and drop against the team that's so strong at home?
1: Yeah, Possibly. Um, I also think the players, the fact that Eddie Howe didn't make a substitution. Um, the players did look pretty exhausted in the yeah, last 20 30 children minutes. Children on the bench, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two goalkeepers and a load of kids. So I can understand why he didn't make those changes, but yeah, the players look knackered towards the end. And, um, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, so yeah, this is a, an interesting game coming into the weekend. They play on Saturday night, of course, and um, I looked at that game on tuesday night and looked at the newcastle players and i thought geez how are they going to go again again at the weekend um but then you sort of bear in mind that uh, they have got the the rest advantage because they did play and absolutely battered chelsea at st james's park last saturday played in paris on tuesday so not the, the furthest away journey and return home for this fixture on saturday night whereas in contrast united were obviously we, we talked about it on the champions league show that the three-nil absolutely flattered them at everton on sunday Then they've had a trip to Istanbul on Wednesday before going away on Saturday. So in short, Newcastle, a third game in a week, two of which were at home. For United, it's their third game in six days, all of which were away, including a trip to Turkey. So I think there is a bit of rest and preparation advantage here for Newcastle, as well as the St. James's Park advantage. And so for me, there's enough to to support Newcastle here around evens on the exchange. Now, it is a, a lot shorter than the price Newcastle were going off against Chelsea last week, but that's all built into the underlying metrics. We know Chelsea have been quite highly rated by the markets because of the underlying metrics they've achieved achieving so far this season. But I'll, I'll get to that in a point, because I still think that the starting 11 of Newcastle is strong and was strong midweek against PSG. And as we know at home, they are very impressive. They're second only to Liverpool in terms of expected points. Six wins from seven in front of their home supporters, just four goals against. Uh, and that was a real asset of theirs as well, home form last season. And I think they have been the better team in recent meetings with Manchester United uh, as well. So they'll be up for this game, an evening game uh, with the St. James's Park crowd. From a United perspective, um, yeah, you mentioned that Galatasaray game one of the games of the season for me just tremendous fun entertainment but no one decided to defend in that last half hour it was it was terrific but um yeah I mean all the question marks we've had against their name all season kind of came to to roost really and uh you know we talk about that game against Everton last week which wasn't as convincing as the score suggested um and in the midweek when they just kind of fluffed their lines yet again um when in a decent position so um I think it tells you everything Premier League-wise that Manchester United winning 3-0 against Everton only brought their goal difference this season up to a flat zero. And it was their first win by more than a one-goal margin all season. And if you look at their victories across the whole campaign, almost all of them come alongside an asterisk of late goals, elements of fortune. They've underwhelmed, under, underconvinced, convincingly for me, consistently for me. Um, They're all against
0: bottom-half teams as well, right? They haven't beaten the top-half team.
1: Yeah, well, their four games against the top half have all ended in defeat. And away from home under Eric Ten Hag, their record at top nine finishers now reads one naught, drawn one, lost nine. Which oh is God. absolutely
2: horrendous.
1: <laughs> um, and here's why the, the price is much shorter in Newcastle than Manchester United, than they were against Chelsea. Because if you look at those underlying metrics, Manchester United are ranked 10th in XG process. It's a negative process. They drop down to 13th when viewing away figures. They're also 11th in terms of expected points earned overall. And they drop down to 14th in expected points away. They have lost the non-penalty expected goals battle in seven of 13 Premier League games, including four of six away. So whichever way you look at it, incredibly unconvincing and so i'm just happy to kind of oppose them again considering newcastle or evens to, to win this fixture um bearing in mind that um they have got that extra rest advantage I, if they can feel that same 11 again this weekend i'm quite happy to be involved at evens uh the other action i wanted to get involved with here was um man of the moment really from a united perspective but alejandro ganacho to have a shot on target at 10 to 11. uh it's landed in 14 of his last 17 man united appearances when playing 45 minutes or more, obviously fresh from that incredible strike. Um, last weekend, did the same midweek against Galatasaray too. So he's full of confidence and looks a real danger down that side as well. So um, 10 to 11 for me looked like a, a very big price.
0: Smouldering 80s pop star Sabrina once sung about boys 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 as it turned out she wasn't singing about her next set of dates she was singing about great football tipping in the future because Alex Boys from Betfair is with us (laughs) once again. uh, Newcastle genuinely down to the bare bones but as Mark says Alex this Manchester United team deeply deeply unconvincing.
2: Yeah, and we were all quite down on Manchester United in the week. The Champions League show, I think, once again, individual brilliance and then individual errors proved we were we were right. We just they're just not trustworthy at all, you know. And and I will say on Newcastle, actually, I'm a bit more in your camp, Kev. That yes, PSG deserved to win probably on the chances they created, but that's just part of the game sometimes. Teams miss chances, players miss chances, and I thought they were so so unlucky and unfortunate not to end up getting that win the other night kind of forgetting those two games in midweek. I mean, could you argue this is even a tougher game for Manchester United than going to Galatasaray Saturday night away from home at St. James's Park? I mean... Well, similar atmosphere. I was just going to say, is there any other stadium that you wouldn't want to be playing at in that time slot on a Saturday as an away side? I'm not sure you could, you know, it would be at the bottom of where you'd want to go. Um, so it's going to be electric. And I just think, like last night on Wednesday, that this Manchester United team, I don't think they've got the character to to handle the occasion. You know, which group of kind of coaching staff and players will handle these these midweek setbacks better? And for me, that's no question going to be Eddie Howe and Newcastle. And it's almost a great glamour tie for Newcastle to get back, for the fans to get back on board after that disappointment in midweek, to come back roaring at home to Manchester United. So Mark's already mentioned that Newcastle's home form, you know, the, no side has got more points than them this season. The same as Liverpool and Villa, despite playing a game more. But six out of seven, they've won at home. And I actually thought the win over Chelsea last week taught us a little bit more about Newcastle because, as again, as Mark said, Chelsea's performance underlying has kind of they've got they've had support in the market and they d- did really well against City in that four all four all draw. And I think Newcastle actually went off as outsiders at kickoff probably because of the lineup, you know, Lewis Miley in midfield, but he actually got the opening assist. for that. that pass is yeah. outrageous. Yeah. Fantastic. And a was great to make that night. Pass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great vision. Clearly, clearly a great player in there. And let's not forget, they were 3-1 up before East James was actually sent off as well. So this wasn't the fact that they had second half against 10 men. Chelsea were well and truly beaten. And um, and I think seeing Newcastle back to odds on at home, you kind of have to agree with that price. Um. For me, I'm not just going to go for the home win though. I'm going to I'm going to go for Newcastle to cover the minus one handicap. You can boost Newcastle up to um, thirteen to five from nineteen to twenty on the Betfair sportsbook, and I think that's a great price. You know, eight of Newcastle's last ten Premier League wins at home have come by an aggregate score of thirty-four to six, and they've covered the minus one handicap in eight of those wins. They've got five clean sheets in those ten as well, but that win to nil price is is currently the same. So for me, I'd be much more confident in the minus one. And I think if you add in the chances, Manchester United do give up. You know, we saw that in plain sight against Everton last week. You know, and even though they've won the last Pons four... Of chances games. in the first half. I mean, it could have been 3-1 by half-time. Exactly. And if it wasn't for Garnaccio's brilliance, you know, it, they probably would have fallen behind. I think you could argue that. So even though they've won the last four away games, they've somehow managed three clean sheets and conceded just the one goal. But their ex- expected goals again to is near six goals, expected to have conceded based on what they gave up. And not only are they coming up against the second-highest Premier League scorers in Newcastle, they're actually the team with the highest shot conversion rate in the division. So I think if you give Newcastle those chances that they have been given up, expect a few home goals.
0: And last but not least, Betfair tipster and trader Brian McDonnell is with us. He's like the Tiago of the squad. We don't see him very often, but it's always good when we do. Brian, Manchester United, is Alex says, they've racked up four away wins on the spin in the Premier League. But is that a convincing trend for you? Because it doesn't seem to be for anyone else.
3: No, no, not at all. I, I I love watching Man United this season because even though, yeah, as you say, they're picking up some wins, they're they're never too far away from calamity, are they? Um, listening to, the, to this pod over the past couple of weeks, you know, it's it's well documented um, who those wins Man United have have picked up have been against. Unconvincing wins against Fulham, uh, Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United. Wolves on the open day, Burnley and Brentford as well. They easily could have dropped points in any of those um, games. 3-0 win at Everton last week. Yes, they were under the cost at times. Mark was saying it was unconvincing, but I I think any 3-0 away win is a good win in the Premier League anyway. So, um, they can take some positives from that. And then as mentioned already, they went to Galatasaray. And once again, they've blown a two goal lead in the, in in the, in the Champions League, letting in some, some really soft goals. Um, if they keep putting in the same sort of standard as performance, they're not going to keep getting the same results. Um, if you look at the sort of underlying metrics, they're a point ahead of Newcastle in the table, but that gap should be should be wider at this stage. Looking at the sort of expected points, there's about nine points in the difference between Newcastle and Man United. Um, I'll just quickly go over The lads have pretty much covered uh, everything already, but Newcastle, uh, in terms of the extra day's rest and preparation for this, is why I'm 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 side with Newcastle for this one. Their home form again, brilliant all season. The lads have mentioned six of their seven league wins have been at home. Um, and just to touch on the injuries, yes, Newcastle have a lot of injuries, and 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 their squad is a bit thin. Look like they're out on their feet uh, towards the end of the PSG game, but it's the same for Man United. Like Scott McTominay was out on his feet uh, at the end of the game last night, and I think the players that Man United are missing for this one are, are bigger losses than than Newcastle's absentees. You're looking at mason mount um martinez casemiro Ericsson, at least three guaranteed starters there with a fully fit squad whereas newcastle although they do have the thin squad they still have you know quality all over the park especially in the middle of the park they'll have bruno Gamares, joe linton uh al Miron, anthony gordon was in in, in terrific form and and, and isaq up front as well will be handfuls handful so I can only see uh, it's a hat trick of, of Newcastle home wins for me. I'm happy to just take them to win the game at uh, in around evens on the exchange.
0: Just on Manchester United's injuries, by the way, if it does give an opportunity on a regular basis to Kobi Meynou, he's a player worth watching. He made his first Premier League start against Everton last weekend. He was absolutely sensational. So he is a teenager to watch. Injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and now you've got 90-minute payouts to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right results as it stands. Your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description 18 plus be gamble aware.org. nottingham forest have had a tough run of fixtures to play an everton side that was incredibly wasteful as we say in the first half of that three 0 defeat to manchester united mark how's this going so i can't work out forest at all because they've got some really good players they seem to play some good stuff they don't win very many games
1: yeah, well, you might fancy hanging out with uh, Nottingham Forest's chairman. Well, you probably won't actually considering his back backstory, but... If um, I want to get
0: fired from a job, yes. <laughs>
1: um, well, that, that's the issue at the minute, isn't it? Uh, there's huge speculation now surrounding Steve Cooper's position because the, the chairman, who does have a, an itchy kind of trigger finger at the best of times, he's highly ambitious and feels his investment isn't getting value for money right now since promotion. And um, there's talk that Cooper could be out of a role as early as this weekend if Forest don't get a result against um, Everton. Uh, there's also talk for Palace are eyeing up Cooper as a potential replacement for Hodgson if that move takes place anytime soon. So, you know, Cooper was very, very frustrated by last weekend's loss against Brighton where almost all the same characteristics of, of Forest season came to came into focus yet again they started strongly as they almost always do but failed to hold on to their advantage and you know since the start of last season Forest have just repeatedly lost points from winning positions this season alone they've lost three games three two and drawn another two two and in those matches they've led one nil they've had two one and they've also led two nil twice um they just seem to invite pressure uh, and sit back whenever they're sort of uh, in a decent position and then they're almost unable to cope with that pressure Um, when it starts and that sort of disorganisation at set pieces which we've seen quite consistently too has a habit of kind of rearing its ugly head too and they're conceding goals in quick succession at times. Um, It's not all bad uh, far from it I think actually because their performances have been better than 12 months ago. I think it's quite telling that their only two defeats by more than a single goal margin this year have come against Liverpool and Man City. They are competing but um, they're just being punished for poor mistakes. Injuries haven't helped at all. Uh, a one-ease injury is a big blow. He'll be missing for a couple of months. But um, this game is at the city ground, and this is where Forest do tend to, to come to the party. So, you know, it feels almost must win for Cooper. Um, the Brighton loss was their first in nine at home in the Premier League, just a sixth defeat in 25 home league games since promotion. But uh, I'm quite happy to sort of leave the, the major 1x2 handicaps alone. Instead, I want to focus on goals because BTTS looks underrated for me. It's 186 on the exchange, which is a big price for Premier League standards this season. It's got a 64% win record uh, at the city Ground since the start of last season. Forest have scored in 23 of those 25 home league games, which is a, a terrific return in fairness. Uh, this season alone, five or six Forest home games have seen both teams scoring, as have eight of 13 overall. Um, and Forest themselves have recorded just three clean sheets, yet they've managed to get on the score sheet in 11 of 13, only firing blanks against Liverpool and City. So impressive stuff. And as for Everton, we know they lost that match against United, but everyone could see they did enough to, to limit the margin of defeat at least. Um, in fact, they probably deserved something out of it based on the balance of play. Uh, conceded a wonder goal, a debatable penalty, had 14 shots in the box, and an XG of 2.47. And that has been the issue for Everton this season, of course. Um, they've got the biggest negative difference between goals scored and expected goals. Um, they've scored 14, but the XG is in for about 20.5. Um, they have failed to score uh, in the first three, but they've since scored in seven of 10, only failing against the big boys. They've also scored in seven of nine against teams outside the top six. And get this, they've had more shots and they're actually retire- returning a higher non penalty expected goals figure. A league leaders arsenal this season so yeah they're doing a lot of good work <laughs> in the final third um see so yeah, i've mentioned forest kind of uh, concerns defending dead ball situations that's a, an area which everton will look to utilize because they've got plenty of big boys plenty of good delivery from wide areas as well but um yeah as i say it's a rarity we get to back both teams to score price in the premier league these days at anything close to 185 and i think you know forest's great goal scoring record at home and everton's uh, impressive metrics in, in forward areas uh, in the final third suggest that we should be able to see both teams oblige here. So 185 is my nominated selection.
0: Sounds good to me. Arsenal destroyed Lens in midweek to seal top spot in their Champions League group. They're also top of the Premier League. I'd say that Gabriel Martinelli and Bakayo Saka are the modern day version of Ian Robin and Frank Ribéry. I think that's tr- the trajectory that they are on. I think they're terrific players. They face a Wolves team, though, that can be quite dangerous against the big hitters, Brian. This might not be as straightforward as some people would suggest.
3: Yeah, uh, definitely not. I, uh, Arsenal don't get the the, the love and, and and attention on this pod, but for when I'm on, I feel and and, and you said in in your intro, I'm, I'm like the Thiago. I only come on very often, so I I had to make sure that I get them in uh, on 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 this episode. They're, they're only lower
0: top... in their non penalty xG than Everton. Just yeah, to I, remind yeah, I know, you there. I by this the way, first,
3: the first time Arsenal were mentioned in this pod in a, in a couple of months, I'd say <laughs> they're top of the league. A bit of respect for for Arsenal, please, um, lads. <laughs> But no, it's fair. There may not. I just as ex-
0: said Martinelli and Saka were
3: like Robin and <laughs> Ribery. Praise. What more do you want? Very high praise. Um, yeah, but Arsenal, they're maybe not as exciting this season. Um, to be fair, as they were last season, they're sort of quietly going about their business, not setting the league alight by by any stretch of the imagination, and and, and yet they have their noses out um, in front, just um, juggling to being back in the Champions League for the first time in six seasons. I, th- I think it's been it's. Not the not the hardest Champions League group by any stretch either, but uh, they've they've topped it with, with ahead of their toughest game uh, away to PSV. So um, they're doing very well. Arsenal they're they're in the middle of a sort of a nice run on paper. They've had Sevilla at home, Burnley, Brentford, Lons at home during the week, and now they've Wolves and and then Luton away in the middle of next week. And they'll they'll have expected maximum points from this stretch. And even though Wolves have had a couple of decent performances and results against the top teams. It's it, They've sort of been at home at Molyneux. Um, their away form hasn't been as good. Um, their wins against Spurs and, and, and Man City and, and their draw against Villa were all at home. Um, but they're the only team that have lost to Sheffield United. They've lost on the road to Palace, Fulham during the week as well, and and and, and they drew at Luton as well. Um, conceding a lot of goals as, uh, has, has been... Uh, an Achilles heel for Wolves this season, 23 goals they've conceded this season and an average of two expected goals against in away games this
0: season. Um, and referees seem to hate them. Like Wolves yeah. seem to get all of the awful decisions. Like the Premier League stored them all up in a nice little, nice little jar for them and just tipped it all over Gary O'Neill.
3: Yeah. How many of those expected goals against have been from the penalty spot? Maybe, maybe that's a banker for this just, just back Arsenal to be, to be awarded a yeah. penalty. Um but Jed, so my Arsenal are one to four. I, I, it's their short price to back. I'd add in. I, I'm going to add in uh, Arsenal to win and both teams to score, which um, bumps it up to fifteen to eight, um, which is a, a, a decent enough boost. Um, fifteen of the last sixteen league games in the Emirates have had over two and a half goals, and. Um, Fulham have been scoring goals as well. I think the only time they haven't scored in the league this season was that uh, opening day defeat to to Manchester United. They've scored in
0: their twelve league games since that. Um, and they absolutely battered United in that game as well, didn't they?
3: Uh, I was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was very surprising that they didn't score. They were, they were cutting Man United open uh, at ease. I remember in that game running through, and it was obviously should have had that penalty lay on as well. Um, so really should have scored in that game. Um, but our, Arsenal, in terms of Arsenal defensively. They've been solid, but they have conceded goals as well. They've conceded seven goals in their seven home games. Nottingham Forest and Burnley both scored in defeats uh, at the Emirates this season. Fulham scored twice in a draw as well, uh, having had a man sent off there as well. Um, Wolves obviously missing Neto, but... uh, Juan He-Chan has had a, a brilliant start to the season. Seven goals already for him. A couple of assists as well. So I definitely wouldn't bet against Wolves not scoring here. Um, I think Arsenal will continue. Uh, they will win. But uh, Arsenal to win on both teams to score uh, will be my bet for this one.
0: Marco Hayes is taking us on a magical mystery tour around Europe in this show. We're going to just kind of pepper the show with little nuggets from all corners of the continent. Mark, let's start with Zaragoza against Leganes.
1: Yeah, why not? A trip to Segunda um, to talk about the, the league leaders, uh, Leganés, who are unbeaten in eight matches at the minute, and they're going to Real Zaragoza. Uh, Leganés do have uh, the most favourable favorable, uh, underlying metrics in the division. They sit uh, second in terms of overall expected points. Uh, they're top of expected points away. They're second in terms of XG overall and top of XG away from home. Um, so overall, they've been very, very strong. And I looked at their last four, eight and 12 game splits and Leganes are top of the tree in all three for expected points too. So form wise, they're going very, very well. Um, they're big price underdogs here away at Zaragoza 3.3. 3. Um, this is a Zaragoza side who started the season with five wins from five. But since then, things have, have really sort of unraveled. They've only won once in the last 12. They're winless in eight. They failed to score in seven of 11 and they haven't actually scored a goal in over seven hours of league football. So, in six of the last 11, actually, they've uh, they've lost and failed to score uh, with those matches ending in a 1-0 or 2-0 defeat. So for me, the opportunity here is to be with Leganes for obvious reasons. Um, you can back them at a big price to win the game, but actually Betfair are offering on the Sportsbook the biggest price in the industry on uh, Leganes draw no bet which is against um, the league leaders who have kept nine clean sheets and 17 overall have the best defensive data in the division uh, and facing a, a Zaragoza side who are struggling to piece together anything remotely considered to be a threatening attack at the minute um, poor uh, form, poor in front of goal and um, yeah, just uh, quite easily opposable where the price is. so I fully expect Legonese to go off a lot shorter than they currently are but I think 11-10 to 10 on the sportsbook for Leganes to uh, in the draw no bet market where we get our cash back if the game ends all square is a very appealing play.
0: And not only do Leganes have the best defensive data in the division, they've also got a mascot that's a giant cucumber. So, uh, you know, that's worth checking out as well. Super Pepino, as <laughs> I seem to remember. So worth uh, checking that out. Back to the Premier League. Clash between West London and well, nearly North London. A bit higher than that, but you get the point. Brentford against Luton. Alex, the injuries have bitten pretty hard for Brentford as well. They've got a few key players missing in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, and to be honest, I'll get into it in a sec. I'm hoping one of them that was missing last week, Mateus Jensen, is back fit. He's supposed to be, so I'm praying for everything I'm about to say. Um, we need him to be, but... Right. Yes, um, but he did say I'm that he was... listening,
0: Thomas Frank. You need to protect it, him. Put him in one of those it, big Zorb <laughs> balls so he can't be
2: hurt at any stage before the game happens yeah, We should do that a bit more often, that Zorb. Maybe we should have like one game a season where both teams have to play in the Zorb fixture of the season. That'd be quite interesting, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that would be quite good. Yeah, I mean, just a yeah.
0: Zorb card.
2: <laughs> just somebody
0: appears from nowhere, plays the Zorb card, and then, every, yeah, that would work.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, this game on paper is Brentford v. Luton, but to me, Kev, it's step-piece XG Merchants Brentford Against we don't <laughs> handle set pieces well at all, Luton, which I think Wonderful. has got a much cleaner ring to it, to be honest. Yes, you know, that's uh, the kind of mismatch we want. Yes, yes, yeah. So we've got the side yeah. with the highest expected goals generated from set pieces in Brentford against Luton, who have conceded the highest quality odd chances according to Opta from from dead ball situations. So we're yeah. going to look to try and profit from that. Um, I have to say, Luton, they're actually doing okay. I mean, they've got five points in the last five games. I mean, if they kept up that point per game for the rest of the season, they, they probably would just stay up maybe on 34 points based on the, the current PPG of the rest of the division. But um, the kind of only issue with what I'm about to say is that Brentford maybe not converting as many chances from set pieces as, as they should be doing. They've racked up 6.74 XG from set pieces, but they've only scored twice. So suggest so some wasteful finishing. So rather than picking out a goal scorer, I wanted to take a look at the assist market We've mentioned Jensen, he was injured last week, but it looks like he is going to be back fit. It's only thought to be a minor injury, and he should be back for this one. And yeah, him, You sound like you're convincing yourself. He's back for this one, I'm telling yes, you. he's definitely <laughs> going to play,
0: definitely. bit of panic in the voice there, he's definitely going to play. Yeah, yeah, it sounded
2: yeah. quaking, as I said Jensen there, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> um, he is one of the set-piece merchants now, alongside Brian Mbwemo, for... For Brentford, and he, he sits just behind them way Buemo for chances created of, of all Brentford players. And he actually only trails James Ward Prowse when it comes to the percentage of his chances that he creates from set pieces. 13 of Jensen's 20 have come from dead balls. He's got a couple of assists already this season against West Ham and against Nottingham Forest. And this is just obviously, as I've mentioned with the numbers, this is the targeted strength of Brentford's set pieces. And this looks to be the perfect game now because Luton, as I say, it's not even just on pure volume that um, Luton sit top of the XG games from set pieces because Sheffield United and Bournemouth have actually conceded more shots from dead balls. But it's the quality of chance that Luton are giving up, which, yeah. which puts them at the top of that list. So it just kind of this is a way to beat them. They've conceded five goals already from set pieces to Luton. So and with Brentford not having an obvious goal scoring centre back, you know, there's no Ivan Toney. You know, the the strikers Visser and Waymo, they're not exactly target men or brilliant headers of the ball. So rather than trying to find a player on the end of the cross, let's have the creator himself. Matej Jensen to assist anytime. is 3-1. to one.
0: Lovely stuff. Let's hope it's an absorbing game. Uh, let's head to Turkey then. Uh, Marco Hayes is going to bring us the joys of Adana Demir spore and Samson Spor. How <laughs> um, I mean, Adana Demir got a load of ex- Premier League players or English players or something like that. Well, well, I, I think, think every teams too. What they are talking yeah. about, yeah, the whole league. Yeah, I does. think more.
1: More interestingly, is the is the head coach of Adana, which is uh, Patrick Kluvert. um But uh, oh, yeah, yes. I'm going to back them to 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 win this game and under four and a half goals against uh, Samsung Sport this weekend at five to four. Um, I know listeners uh, or watchers uh, tend to enjoy something a bit more exotic from time to time, so I thought I'd take them to Turkey for this game because Adana um, they finished fourth. In the super league last season um which was predominantly built on their strong home form they won 12 of 18 in front of the home supporters uh, but if you look at their record they actually won 12 of 14 unbeaten matches against teams outside of the top five they've picked that form up again this season because they're fourth again in the super league standings uh, on both occasions they've been behind the big three in turkey um but this season they've won six of seven unbeaten home fixtures they only dropped points against current league leaders Fenerbahce. so They've actually won 18 of the last 25 home league matches but if you look at their record against teams outside of the top five 16 wins two draws and zero defeats during that sample which is incredibly strong uh, they're playing a samson Sport side who are newly promoted but they are struggling to to sort of reach this level their second bottom nine defeats in 13 with the most of their damage done away from home They've only picked up one point from seven away days, scored just four goals on their travels. They've also lost nine of 11 at all venues against teams outside of the bottom four, including six defeats from six against the top half. So, more than happy to oppose them here. Uh, Adana actually ranked fourth for expected goals process behind the big three. For me, they are a decent value to win this game at 1.7, but uh, the boost to five to four. Uh, to include under four and a half goals, uh, I think is worthwhile because uh, just three of the two teams combined, 26 matches, have featured five goals or more. And two of those three examples involved the big two, Besiktas and Fenerbahce. So quite happy to take that option considering the range of correct scores we get on side we will be paid out of five to four. Should Adana win this game, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 2-1 or
0: 3-1? I knew it. I've just been looking at their squad, Mark, by the way. Mario Balotelli's in there. He's back, I'm sure that's his second spell there. Nanny, who's 906 years old, he's there as well. Uh, Benjamin Stambouli, who was at Spurs at one stage, he's there, 33. That is a classic Turkish squad. Lovely stuff. Uh, Let's head to Liga. Nice have decided they're just not going to concede any goals uh, for the rest of the season. They make the trip to face Nantes. Uh, Brian, Nice have been absolutely outstanding so far.
3: Yeah, brilliant. Haven't, con- haven't conceded a goal in their last eight league games only four all well, that's season that's ridiculous isn't it yeah I mean you know, you know when I tipped them up this is going to be the game that they concede 5-3 uh, <laughs> they, they the- <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly Yeah, but they're still un- not only not conceding goals they're unbeaten as well having already beaten PSG away from home this season
0: yeah really good in that game as well they were excellent
3: yeah, and they conceded twice in that game, and that was, you know, it still didn't, uh, it didn't bother them. It doesn't matter if they concede a couple; they can score one more. That, that that's what they seem to do. We'll just score however many you score. We'll score one more. If you don't score, we'll score one. If you score one, we'll score two. Um, but it's not even their new manager. They're onto their sixth manager now since um, Jim Ratcliffe's the the billionaire interested in Man United, since uh, his consortium took over Nice back in two thousand and nineteen, and 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 their previous five managers, they were going for sort of big names in french football they had um Patrick Vieira uh, Christophe Galtier Lucien Fabre um they failed to sort of make a big impact uh, and and now they've brought in a sort of a, a young up and coming uh, italian manager Francesco Farioli and he's just been really positive he's he, he's only 34 years of age um it was Roberto De Zerbi who who spotted him coaching and and brought him onto his backroom staff with uh, Benevento and then Sassuolo uh, in Italy before Farioli went out to uh, to Turkey to take his own uh, to take uh, ch- take charge his first head coach jobs there he was at uh, alanyaspor and uh, I'll butcher their, their pronunciation Karagmoric, Karagmoric, is it uh, Oh Fatih, yeah, yeah. Fati I think uh, I think that's Which five. Or- went. Yes, yes. I think that that's five Turkish teams now we've mentioned in this uh, in this uh, episode. It's great. We we stuff we love. <laughs> we Andy get...
0: Brasso, who used to be on this show, would absolutely adore this. He'd be very pleased.
3: <laughs> but the thing, the thing about Farioli is, it's from his time in Turkey. It's not like it's not like he's really defensive, uh, a defensive coach, and 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 they they can and the teams he's managed have conceded very. Uh, little goals like he's he's an attack minded coach across his 75 his odd games and uh, across those two clubs in Turkey he was conceding his team teams were conceding an average of 1.5 goals a game and, and, and scoring slightly more than that Um, you know that doesn't really align with the four goals that needs nice have conceded this season from an expected goals against of, of around 10 um so I don't think they're, the, the, keeping the clean sheets is going to continue as well as it has been this season like they will regress defensively to the mean you would imagine um, slight, pro, slight issue for them is even though they're conceding goals they're, they're not scoring uh, as, as many you'd, you'd want to see a bit more uh, output in terms of goals if they are to stay up near the top of the table near PSG um, they've only scored 14 goals this season Um they kind of remind me of of uh of uh I, I don't want to always bring it back to Arsenal, but they kind of do remind me about how, <laughs> how about how Arsenal were for for many years before uh, Arteta came in, sort of just getting the ball to the the edge of the area and just just doing that one pass too many and, and trying to look for that perfect goal, just pass 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 pass, and just not really taking not really taking uh, an, a, enough shots. Um, they're they're going to need more goals from uh, Terrell moffitt their striker, four league goals this season, but. Uh, Elsewhere around the park, they do they do have real quality. Um, Polish goalkeeper Marcin Bulca, obviously, only can see the four four goals in thirteen league games. Uh, a couple of penalty saves in there as well. He's having a brilliant season.
0: He's keeping out Schmeichel as well, isn't he? Yes, yeah, Schmeichel would have been the keeper, but he's replaced him.
3: Yeah, Schmeichel was canned early on in the season. I think they wanted to bring in Hugo Lloris as well, who said no. So, um, who said no? No to joining Nice. So Bulca is really. Taken, uh, you know, stamp his authority on that number one jersey. Um, he has Dante in front of him at the back. You he said Nanny was 904 years of age. Dante must be in his thousands. Uh, yeah. He's, he's, he's very experienced. He never misses a game for Nice. Um, and alongside him, they have Tadebo at the back as well. He was linked with a move to the Premier League in the summer, um, got his first couple of French caps in in recent international breaks as well. So a lot of talent in this Nice squad, definitely a team worth keeping an eye on this season. Uh, I can see them this weekend keeping their run going, hopefully scoring a couple of more goals against the team who give up the most amount of chances in the league, not odds against our Nice on the exchange and happy to back them to continue their unbeaten start of the season and get a win.
0: Spring you a Dutch clash with echoes of antiquity because we've got Heracles against Sparta, Mark. Plenty of violence in that, maybe. <laughs>
1: Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the has actually been a hotbed for cards this season, which kind of goes against long-term trends. But um, here I'm going to back goals because over two and a half goals is trading at a relatively palatable price for Eredivisie standards. So it's around 1.7, 1.75 per can Include it. Uh, include BTTS to that and boost it right up to 185, which does really appeal to me here because Heracles are effectively one of the, the real standout sides for goals in the top, Dutch top flight. Uh, only PSV have seen more goals per game in their matches than Heracles, and they've seen overs in 10 of 11, uh, over 3.5 in 9 of 11, and 9 of those 11 have also seen BTTS land. The game that didn't go over 2.5 goals ended 1-1 they've only managed one clean sheet all season and the only game they failed to score in was at home against psv in the other five games they've scored at least twice from four occasions but to give you an example of heracles and how terrifically kind of erratic this team are their games are averaging four goals per game the xg average is 3 to 3.6 but I'll just read you their last seven results uh 1-2 1 lost 4-0 drew 2-2 lost 3-0 lost 6-0 one f- lost 4-1 Last weekend, one for nil, so um, a bit all over the place, really. And uh, they're playing yeah, a sparta a side, too. <laughs> <who, laughs> sparta aren't quite so uh crazy in that sense, but they've seen overs in eight of 13, BTTS in eight of 13, away from home, four of six have collected for BTTS and over. Um, but I just thought it was quite interesting that two of their three clean sheets have come at home against bottom three sides, and the three games in which they failed to score came against the top five. So if you look at their games six of which have come against the middle third of the division all six saw over two and a half goals and btts bank so i wouldn't be too surprised to see this number reduce quite significantly before saturday night i expecting a goal heavy game heracles versus sparta
0: And if you didn't know what I was talking about with Heracles against Sparta, you need to brush up on your classical civilization. Uh, Now it's time for the world-famous podcast, Treble, a feature so famous that that Hollywood adaptation is coming along very nicely, regular listeners and viewers will remember that Mark, very uh, demurely, picked Colin Farrell to play him in one of the acting legend's most challenging roles to date. Uh, Leonardo Bonucci, bizarrely, will be playing Stinch. Uh, It is offensive, by the way, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, well, Sean Bean's just going to play Alex. No, you can't be doing that. He's a man of Sheffield. So he can't be playing a man of Leeds. That's not how it works. Uh, Boise, anybody that you would pick at this stage to play you in the adaptation?
2: Uh, You know what? I think I'm I'm as good looking as Matthew McConaughey. So shall we put him in? I mean, that's a (laughs) challenge for McConaughey on many (laughs) levels, I would suggest, really.
0: I mean, if we give him 10 years to master the accent, maybe. Um, I think he's got it in him. He's got that range. I, li- I like the boldness as well. <laughs> Putting yourself on the same level <laughs> as McConaughey. That's that's really quite something. Okay. So we've got Colin Farrell and Matthew McConaughey. Brian, we will get to you later in the season. So you've got plenty of time to think. It's going to be, you know, assembling this all-star Great-looking cast. I I dread to think who's going to play me. Anyway, how this works is each of the three guys comes up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders uh, wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. I'm going to start with Mark.
1: Um, As we've talked a little bit about Turkey this week, I will put up Adana Demespor to win their match. It's about 1.7, which
2: is a nice price for a treble. Lovely stuff. Uh, Alex? I am going to plunge on the Newcastle minus one. Let's go okay. into our treble. He <laughs> did bold stuff. And I've like, told you why. It's obvious. Yes, you have.
0: It's all there. All the evidence is there, as uh, Lloyd Grossman used to say. Uh, No, he didn't. It was David Frost. That's a really old reference. I'm so sorry. I'm referencing through the keyhole, which most of you uh, probably don't remember. Mark does. He's giggling away in the background. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Brian, take us home.
3: Oh, yeah. It seems to be a big, big enough uh, price travel so far. So I'll put in a shorter one. I'll just go Arsenal and over 1.5 goals.
0: Yeah, and Mark's turned his mic off there, but I can tell you he's giggling away at the thought of David <laughs> Frost and Lloyd Grossman and a very old reference that Ke- I've just given. Can me. I just
2: say, Kev, um, I'm actually going to retract Matthew McConaughey and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up Matthew Lewis, who's a Leeds fan, and he played Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> what a change! I, and and the, wow. good thing, the good thing about Matthew Lewis is that I hope he... I'm sure he doesn't mind people saying he, he was... Forming himself as a child actor, but now he's an absolute gorgeous model. So he's had a kind nice. of age, you know, he's got better with age. And I think I've done the exact opposite. So I'm happy <laughs> for him to play in that.
0: I mean, again, another humble selection. Yeah, okay. Great
2: stuff. I mean, no, that's I said quite I'm the... the opposite, remember? I'm it's getting quite worse. You
0: did. So you got it in at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you started thinking this has gone a bit too far. So that was a good pivot there from <laughs> Matthew McConaughey to neville longbottom okay so now it's what you've all been waiting for don't pretend you haven't don't make out oh yeah we really enjoyed the show no you've just been waiting for it. it's ballast for you you've been waiting for marco hares scott watch oh hey it's scott watch. mark the floor is yours
1: You've given it a big, a big intro. I don't think I can deliver the the goods to the same standards as recent weeks. To be honest, um, I'll believe in yourself,
0: Mark. I can't have this crisis of confidence.
1: Come on. <laughs> uh, well, Bet Wise, we won last week with Ross County. Uh I'm going to back over to enough goals this weekend in the Championship between Air and Arbroath. It's at 195, almost evens, which I think is a terrific price when you consider the figures involved here. Um, the two teams have played a combined 25 league matches. In the Scottish Championship, and 20 of those 25 matches have gone over two and a half goals. 11 of 25 have gone over three and a half goals with 3.3 points Um, average. If you look at the home and away records together, nine of 12 have gone over two and a half goals, and their early season matchup ended 2 1. Uh, they've managed just five clean sheets between them and they've conceded multiple goals in 16 of 25. Uh, our were absolutely Annihilated by Dunfermline in midweek, they lost three 0 I think they conceded about fourteen corners in that fixtures, in that fixture, and they've got plenty of uh, injury and selection problems coming into the weekend. So, Air could quite conceivably cover this line all on their own, but uh, defensively they do have worries of their own. So, I think both teams can contribute, but uh, yeah, to get close to evens on over two and a half goals did appeal. Um, Culture Corner. We'll just shine a little light on Air United, who are nicknamed the Honest Men, uh, which is a line from Robbie Burns's poem Tam o' Shanter. Um, the yes. line reads, "Old Air." where no town surpasses for honest men and bonnie lasses. So that's why Air United are nicknamed the Honest Men, uh, a club that spent 34 seasons in the top flight throughout their history, but none since 1978. Uh, They were going through a bit of a golden period back then. Um, Their manager, Alia McLeod, who coached the club uh, for three separate occasions, actually went on to manage the Scottish national team in in the 1970s. Oh, Ali's That's army. How. He's
0: the one from where on the march with Ali's army, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Air United were a, a decent force back in the day. They've never actually won a major Scottish title, uh, League or Cup. They have reached a League Cup final. But if you look at their squad, Aidan McGeady is part of it, 37 years, yes. years old. Uh, but only made six appearances this season. Um, yeah, as for air, it's a it's a popular place in Scotland for tourists. Got a decent beach, great golfing facilities, and obviously the connection to Robbie Burns, who is a uh, born and bred in the air region. It uh, makes it quite a popular tourist resort. Um, Burns is actually Scotland's national poet, and it's said he boosts the Scottish economy by over two hundred million pounds every year, which is quite That's incredible. Nearly really. as
0: much as Watch does.
1: <laughs> exactly yeah um, but yeah Air also the host of uh, the Scottish Grand National each year and I thought this was quite interesting uh, Prestwick Airport is just down the road literally from Air. it's the only part of Britain ever visited by Elvis Presley because his plane landed there to refuel in 1960 uh, before he made uh, on his journey elsewhere but um, yeah, sadly no famous post offices uh, cattle or chip shops to talk about this that's week but, um, that's Air United
0: so, sorry, that it's literally the only part of Britain Elvis ever visited, did you say? Apparently, yeah. How bad was his experience that he never wanted <laughs> to come back?
1: Surprising, but... isn't it? I'm not sure where else in the world he, he went and gigged, but um, yeah, never in Britain, apparently.
0: Clearly did not enjoy the beach. Oh, well. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Don't be a dweeb. You have to watch and listen to the Sunday show as well. We can't just be listening to Saturday. We've got to listen to the whole lot. That's coming up for you with lots of good tips. Of course, all of our shows are on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe. We've got a new feature coming up, which is our mailbag section, so if you want to get your questions in to any of the guys, if you want a specific game maybe looked at or just something generally about betting and tipping uh, that's uh, been rattling around in your head, make sure you send it to us. We've got a Monday show uh, coming up ahead of the Premier League midweek, so if you're quick, you might be able to get your questions in uh, before that. You can either put them in the comments under our YouTube show, or you can send them to us on Betfair's various social media channels. So, from Brian, from Mark, from Alex, and from me, it's goodbye for now.